Richard, have we pushed record? Yeah, we're going, I think. Oh, we are going. Oh, this, are we? Is, this no. is a big one. And this is where he drops in the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today at the Brando Cast with a gentleman. Well, there's a special guest who's lurking around in the background, Mr. Ahmed Zappa, who's hey, responsible for this recording situation. Don't mind but me. My guest today, when I thought I wanted to do my own thing, you, Mr. Posehn, were the first person that came into my brain because... I built this podcast for you. Thanks, buddy. I truly <laughs> built this podcast for you. Ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite comics of all times, an actor. He's barked on Big Bang Theory. You know him from Mr. Show. You know him from so many other things, but most importantly, he's a heavy metal ambassador. Yes. He's a heavy metal ambassador. He carries the torch for the rest of us metal nerds pushing metal. To the masses, Mr. Brian Posehn. Hey. Hey. <laughs> We're also here with super producer Richard Sheltinga. Say hi, Richard. Hey, Richard. Hello. And as I said before, Ahmed Zappa is lurking around in the background. Full disclosure. I'm drunk. Full disclosure. We, we have recorded. We just recorded yeah, yeah. Amit's show, Rock Tales, which is our new show that's on Sirius. What channel is it on? It's on uh, Volume 106. <laughs> Sirius XM. Vol- <laughs> volume 106. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, because right? you, you seem a little saucy, too, by the way. Oh, because we full on. Like- 30 shots in? What do yeah. you think? Yeah. Uh, Amit, Amit uh, and Richard bought a ton of uh, very nice booze from a fancy place in the Larchmont Village. And um, yeah, I'm a wreck. I'm going to get sober tomorrow. I'm going to go to AA. I, in fact, I know the meeting I'm going to go to. I have a whole, more park and cold water. I have a oh, whole. That would be a good one, I bet. <laughs> I have a whole day of work. And I've I had way exactly too much drink. I have a date tomorrow. I'm going out to Malibu with a lady. Uh, and, I'm, and I might be hung over tomorrow. A day date. A day date. Wait a second. Get that well, steak. You, you have a... Uh, is this real... Yeah. Is this science fiction? Like, no. like Lars yeah, and the real like, no, no, Was it's, it always it's, Malibu? He just was talking about Malibu. I think you're like, eh. Brian, I need to go to the sea once a week. <laughs> yeah, okay. at, at, you, you need to know this. I'm up. I'm, it's not me. <laughs> you, your friend Brandon needs to go to the sea one day a week. All right. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so I have a day date tomorrow, but um, but I'm so excited! I'm so excited to do the Brando cast here today with Mr. Brian Posehn. Now, Brian, you have a new record out that the world needs. What is it called? It's called Grandpa Metal. Grandpa the band Metal is called just Posehn. It's not my full name; just my last name. And like did you work on Van the font? Did- yeah, we did a Metallica font. Fuck yeah! Because we tried all these. We tried original fonts. Things that no one's ever seen before. And you can't really beat the Metallica font. No, you can't. And, the, the and best we'll, fonts see, are... we'll see if they take me to court. I don't think they will. Because we're on Megaforce, which is where they started. So there's some history there and their pals. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, so. Oh, is there an umlaut? Yeah. No. But there's no umlaut you in the Metallica. Yeah, you, know, you think you should have added one? <laughs> no, in but Posehn, where would you put the umlaut? Over the H? Over the O. Every letter? Yeah, <laughs> over the O and the, over the E. Right. But it, it is the Metallica font. Yes. Okay. That's kind of amazing. Isn't the Metallica font available on Apple? Like when you log into your computer, I, I can't you use so. that? Yeah, I 
I feel like it. Because the Scorpions font, I remember when the Scorpions font was taken from like Rollerball. The oh, movie yeah, Rollerball exactly. used yes. the Scorpions yeah, yeah, font. I remember no, that. Scorpions used the Rollerball font. I don't know. Wait, I I literally just sent the sentence. Scorpions <laughs> use the Rollerball font. <laughs> Sorry, it's to be sloppy. Okay. Anyway, so the album is out. Do we have anything that Not we yet, might? But by the time this air is that is that what you're trying to say? Is by the time this airs, it will be out. <laughs> no, what I'm okay. trying to say. All right, I don't know where I'm at. Comes out the 14th of February. Patton, it's so good to see you. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> You're um, really good on AP Bio, brother. Yeah, this is going to be long. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Hashtag saveapbio.com. <laughs> no. So the album, when is the album coming out? Uh, February 14th. Okay, February 14th. But yeah. there is stuff available yes, on. Yes, you can already get our cover of Take On Me. And then our second single comes out next week of uh, Grandpa Metal. And then we're doing two videos. And then uh, we'll see. I'm not. Is I'm there not a take gonna, on me video that's that's been finished? No, we're not doing that. But we did a video. We're doing a video for Grandpa Metal, and we're doing another song called New Music Sucks. Because uh, <laughs> it does. Because <laughs> it does. Uh, it's a thing that I've thought before. Yeah. And so I decided to make a song. Who's in the band? Uh, our regular players. It's uh, Scotty and myself and Brendan Small, uh, and uh, we write most of the music together. And then. Uh, Joe Troman from uh, Fall Out Boy and a bunch of other bands. Um, hilarious dude. He helped me write a couple of songs together and then uh, and plays on the record. And then uh, Joey Vera from uh, Armored Saint and Anthrax. Right. Not Billy Vera. No. And the Beaters. <laughs> I, I, thank God you said the Beaters because I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> but I remember the Beaters. And that makes you remember. I, I, I bet you Billy Vera would be mad that I would remember the Beaters first. <laughs> who, who fronted the Beaters? Remember the Beaters? They were so great. Me, I'm fucking Billy Vera. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> And then um, the uh, cover of Take on Me. Now the cover up. We have a little. We, can we do a little? Yeah, a little taste something. of that. Yeah. It's all metal and shit. Ladies and gentlemen, this coverage. is Take on Me cover. And singing lead vocals on this is. That's Jill Janis from uh, Huntress. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the gang vocals are. Uh, it's me, Scott, and then uh, Chuck Billy from Testament and Zetro from uh, Exodus. Uh, Bay Area metal legends. It's quite wonderful, Amit. What do you think about that? I see the video. You in rotoscope? <laughs> would be pretty amazing. Would be awesome. No, I want somebody to do it. We just didn't because, have the... Like, your version, uh, if you were doing a remake of the music video, like you've done a remake of this song, I see you riding a dragon into battle. You know, I... I... Absolutely. But, in all seriousness... It's your vocals sound great. The production sound sounds great. I don't think that I don't know if you were intending this to kind of be funny that you're doing it, but it's just rad. Yeah, no, rad. I, I didn't want this one to be funny. I just wanted this one to kick ass. Because you love the song, right? I, yeah. I actually do. Yeah, <laughs> like I think it's a pretty great song. But I also feel like this. I feel like any good song would be better if it's metal. Yes. <laughs> like, and, well, yeah. Yeah. Give me like another. Give me another. I agree with Anything. you, but give me another example. Black on gold, does a woman. <laughs> yeah. Rabbits on the feet, the feet of jam. 
He just <laughs> threw I was going to say vacation by the Go Go's. <laughs> vacation, oh. all I ever wanted. I thought you were do the vacation theme. I'm already. Yes. Well, Nobody worry about me. No, that's uh, um, Caddyshack. Oh, that fuck. What? Yeah. That's Kenny Loggins. Yeah, yeah, Kenny Loggins. What's, uh, how, what's the house Holiday of Road. Holiday Road. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, see? <laughs> Holiday Road. <laughs> Yeah. Can you can you promise me we stop the fire? No, we would can... absolutely do Holiday Road next. Can we do it like an Evan Essence cover? And I'd like to be Evan. like that style. Yeah, uh, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> little Lincoln Park. Yeah, little, you'll be yeah, like the yeah. rapper, like yeah. that guy. Yeah, yeah. Or or what's what was the guy from that terrible band that? That literally is every shitty band out there. I I have so many answers for you. For like, what was the guy? I just thought Maroon Five. No, that was the first thing that came to mind. Maroon Five. Disturbed the 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 monkey guy. That wow, wow. Wait, you don't actually like Disturbed? (laughs) Not so much. (laughs) The sound of silence. Ay 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 ay. You fucking get up. You got to die with the sickness. Yeah, that I don't love that. All right, good. I thought that was good. <laughs> Off the rails. Off the rails already. All right. Here's the thing. The Brando cast. Let's bring it back to the Brando right. cast. I hate to be a buzzkill. I hate to stomp on everyone's buzz because we, we do have a nice buzz going on. Mm-hmm. But, Brian, what I usually do with people, as you know, that I, I read them. I bring them my guests in and I read them the history of a band they oh, might right, not know right. or they might not like. And then we just sort of see where the conversation goes. But today I have chosen a band that you and I share in common. It's one of the reasons that I love you so much because I feel like you and I are out in the world saying to people, anyone who will listen, this is the most important band in the history of bands. There is the Beatles and then there is this. Yeah. (laughs) Where did you see them first? You saw them in uh, Albuquerque, Albuquerque. New Mexico. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, today on the Brando cast, we are breaking down Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden are an English heavy metal band formed in East London back in 1975 by bassist and primary songwriter Steve Harris. Pioneers of the new wave of British heavy metal, Maiden achieved initial success during the early 80s. After a few lineup changes, the band went on to release a series of gold and platinum albums to date. Iron Maiden has sold over 100 million albums worldwide, and they are consistently ranked as one of the top touring bands in the music business today. Despite little radio or television support, Maiden is considered one of the most successful bands in heavy metal history. The current lineup, the most important lineup, Steve Harris on bass, Nico McBrain on drums, Adrian Smith, Dave Murray, and Yannick Gares on guitar, and the legendary Bruce Dickinson on lead vocals. We're going to talk about Iron Maiden today. We're just going to use Iron Maiden as the backbone of our conversation. I like them. I think they're pretty good. Can we just? I'm sorry to interject, but yes. can we just address the guitar player in the room? Who? To, no, do it. Yannick? Can I, we just talk okay. about it? Um, I'm going to say I love Yannick. <laughs> He's a great guitar player. Yeah. I, I under, Are you saying you have a problem with his stage moves? 
You don't like his persona? I didn't say that. I was inferring that. I, 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 by, the, by the way that you threw out that question on the table, I've come, you I, threw a dead cat on the table, and I realized there's a dead cat in the middle of the I've table. I've come around. I've come around on Yannick. Okay, love that's why I want to hear this. I love him. Okay, great. Thank and you. I Tell didn't me. used to enjoy his no. jackassery, because the, one of the things I love about Maiden is, sure, they put on a big show, but they're also kind of serious Yep. You yep. know, they, they yep. just play their asses off. But Yannick is like, he's got that shit. Like, he's got a little, uh, he's a dancer. He's got a little Juan Crozier. <laughs> yeah, he's a dancer. He's, a little, Juan he's fancy. Exactly. A little Juan Crozier from, uh, from Rat. And he's also got a little, uh, Rudy Sarzo. Yeah. He's just got, he's theatrical. He's, he's posy. He's big. And, and I love Rudy Sarzo and I love Juan Crozier. But because they both play bass, they have more time to dick around. <laughs> <laughs> so they both do that. Let me and just I say feel this. like Yannick, because he plays third guitar in a band with two guitars where they really don't need a third guitar. Like the, those are two of the best guitar players in the world. So to be Yannick, like, you kind of don't need to be there anyway. Right, so I will say this to the people listening: run around and do stretches and spins (laughs) and spins and and throw the guitar over your shoulder. My wife, my wife went with me the last time. She'd seen them before with me years ago, and she went this last time we took our kid. And he was the big takeaway for her. He he was the part where she came away and she was like, "That guy's fucking awesome." Like, what's that guy's deal? And I was like, "Okay, that I'll tell you that that guy's deal. That guy came in, had a job for a little while, then the original guy came back, and they were like, "Man, let's keep Yannick," and no fans wanted them to. (laughs) No one was like, no one was like, please keep Yannick, but they did because they're cool guys. And that's what he does. He just flies around the world uh, stretching. Let me just say to the people listening at home and my Aunt Jean, who does listen to the podcast, all three of you out there, that Yannick Gares is the most theatrical, uh, besides Bruce Dickinson, in Maiden. He spins, he runs, he dances, he spins, he twirls, he does a whole thing while he plays guitar. I fucking love Yannick because usually I stand, I try to get in front of Yannick. Not because he's my favorite, because I love that that view of Maiden from his side of the stage. And I've just come to, I, I fucking love him. He's a he's a great guitar player. He is a great guitar, and mm. he adds a great tone to Iron Maiden. Now, quick tangent: you were mentioning when your wife saw Iron Maiden, we were at the same show mm-hmm. in Portland, Oregon, yes. and we had texted each other beforehand because you went to Portland because just for them, right? Because you knew I, you couldn't go to see them in yeah, LA. I was going to be on, on this the road. last tour, on the Legacy the of the Beast tour, and I just didn't want to miss it. I'd already seen the set list, right? And I dorked out over it uh, because the last tour they did was so new album heavy, and I love Maiden, but the Book of Souls tour. You don't go to see the Book of Souls tour if you're not hoping that you want. Right. You know, no one was like, "I want ten Book of Souls songs," and right. that's like what they did. And it was a little Book of Souls heavy for me. Uh, so this next tour, uh, you know, was more of the classics and more of the songs I really wanted to see. And you and your wife took your son, yes, which and, is fucking uh, amazing. And then we came away, and that night he said, "Dad, Iron Maiden's my favorite band," and I was like, "Fuck wow. yes, job done." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the way, there were a bunch of. Uh, oh, my kid teens. wasn't the only kid there. Not no, at all. No, not by a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I. M- he just made me one of the littlest I saw because he still has to wear headphones because it gets so loud. So right. he goes into concerts with headphones on and um, 
but but I, yeah, because I saw teen kids with their dads, and that was always the thing. Like, you know, I I didn't want to force my kid to like this music, but I love going to shows and seeing guys with their kids, and I was always like, oh, that'll be great when I can finally bring my kid. Yeah. Can and I give I you an really, emotional yeah, story yeah, on yeah. this on this point? I every time Maiden tours, I go to see Maiden with my best friends from college, Brent Olson, Bill Catlin, Jeff Benroff. We pick a different city to go see Maiden in. And this year we picked Portland because our friend Jeff lives in Portland. We ha- we've seen them in uh, D.C. We've seen them at Madison Square Garden. Um, I've seen them in Denver, Albuquerque, Chicago. It's just fun to go to a different city. So we're walking into the Portland theater and we run into two guys our age, roughly, and a teenage guy. And, and my friend Jeff... Uh, knew the two fathers or the two guys kind of knew the teen they were like school they live in the neighborhood whatever and we just said hey have a fun show nice meeting you blah 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 and we this the, the one of the older guys said hey this is uh billy's first show or whatever and okay cool the, they walk away and i said who who was that was that the guy's son my friend jeff said no billy's dad just died and he was a huge Maiden fan. So the best friends decided to take the son oh, to a Maiden show. Because uh, the dad was going to do it. Uh, and it was like, that we had a solemn moment. But, but, it, but at the same awesome. time, but awesome. Yeah, it's a sweet moment. Too. I mean, I sort yeah. of botched the story a little bit. But it no, was like, like, it. It was like, and the kid was, he was happy. And he was like, happy to be there. Right. And they were like, and it was, I was like, oh, that's, that, that's, that's why we fucking love this band so much. Huge part of Fucking it. Fucking yeah, Maiden. Yeah, when yeah. was the first time you saw Maiden? Uh, I didn't see them till Peace of Mind tour. Okay. Uh, I feel like that first tour, I don't know where they played it in California. Uh, they probably played the Cow Palace, but I, I didn't see the number of the beast. So but, you, grew up, you grew up in the Bay Area. Yeah. And I was in, so I'm in, like, I got into them um, when Killers came out. And then right. I went back and bought the first record right away. Right. And I was like, these guys are fucking amazing. And I love Paul Diano. And Paul Diano's my favorite singer. And blah, blah, blah. And then Paul Diano left. And I was like, God damn it. You know, I'm, I really like this band. And then this new singer. And they just got a million times better. Like, I love those first two records. Yeah. But then the my sweet spot is the next three, the, the first three Bruce Dickinson records. I think those are three of the best uh, records in heavy metal. Number of the Beast, um, uh, Peace of Mind, and Power Slave. Start to finish, perfect record. And by the way, a quick tangent for Maiden nerds out there. Brian and I could recite the entire history of Iron Maiden to you. We're not going to do a super deep dive into this, but I'm going to read you chunks from Wikipedia so you can know that after playing in clubs around Great Britain for a number of years with vocalist Paul Diano, Maiden released their self-titled album in 1980. It was their first record, which debuted at number four in the UK. The album includes early favorites like Running Free, Transylvania, Fan of the Opera... Sanctuary. In 81, Maiden released their second studio record, Killers. Rothschild is on Killers, and that record was followed by the band's first world tour, which included their debut performance, opening up for Judas Priest 
in Las Vegas at the Aladdin <laughs> Casino. Okay, so back to you. You discovered, you did discover Maiden around the... 81, 82. Amazing. Yeah. Were you already into metal at that point? Yeah, and I was just looking for whatever, heavier and faster. And I, I was more into hard rock, because officially, at that point, I did like Priest, um... So yeah, I was a budding metalhead. Yeah, but like I feel like they cemented it for me. Who like, was your first metal band? Well, it would probably be Priest, but oh. um, but because I don't know. It's but did still you weird. get your like, training in people, Kiss? Yeah. Or did so you... I went. So I did Kiss, and then it was ACDC, yeah. Zeppelin, UFO. UFO was a big one. Right. Scorps and Priest. And then, and then Maiden, and then, but Maiden is, I feel when I was like, oh, this is what I am. Like, I'm this guy. I'm a guy that listens to this stuff all the time. Did you go so far as to buy the studs, the leather studs to put on your wrist? My mom didn't let me do a lot of that stuff and we didn't have a ton of money. So, uh. But like I started to grow my hair, and yeah. I, I asked for a perm uh, in '84, so I could uh, a metal perm, so I could make my hair look cooler. I, I thought if I had a little more, uh, you know, body to it or something, because I had straight bowl haircuts before that. Where did you go to high school? Sonoma High. Oh, in, you grew up in, uh, yeah, in Sonoma, Sonoma County. Yeah, right in the wine country town. Right, and, and super give touristy. Me, give me, up. give me a, a portrait of Sonoma. In the late seventies, early eighties, what was that all about? Because it wasn't, it wasn't super wine country back no, then, was it? It was mixed. It was mixed. Uh, there were some wealthy kids, but then there was also a lot of us. Uh, our parents worked for the state. My mom worked for the state. There was a, a oh, wow. developmental center there, a okay. state hospital for uh, developmentally disabled kids, <clears throat> and that's where my mom moved there in seventy five and brought me. Holy uh, shit! From San Jose. Wow. And. Uh, then in uh, you know in the seventies and eighties, like it started becoming this touristy town, but they always like kept their uh, like mission town where it's it's a California mission town. So a lot of the um, uh, structures and buildings they wanted it to look like that. So they wouldn't like um, take uh, chain restaurants till in the mid eighties. So Guy Fieri so, came yeah, along. Well, yeah. But so when I was in high school, we didn't have McDonald's. We didn't have uh Taco no Bell shit. or any wow. of that shit. You had to go to Napa and other little towns because wow. our town was too kind of quaint for it. Wow. But now they have everything, you know, but uh well, yeah, it was such a, and, a tourist destination now yeah. with the wine I mean and all it was the wineries boring. Around. Like you were you know, you're 45 minutes away from San Francisco, but it felt like you were a million miles away from it. Of and then course. once we got licenses and started going to shows, the Cow Palace became our big go-to for all the bands. And that's like the first place I, I saw Maiden. I saw Rush there. I saw Van Halen there. And what was your first show at the Cow Palace? That I wouldn't even know. I would guess... Ted Nugent? No, I'm, it'd probably be 83 or 84, and it was probably it was uh, either Diver Down tour oh, and, wow, or okay. it would have been um, the 1980. I know I saw 84 tour there, but I think I, I saw them first on Diver Down. Amazing, because so. I've had Dave Anthony on the show, and he has said that the Cow Palace was the place to go oh, yeah, for absolutely. metal shows back yeah, then. Yeah, and I remember just getting hammered in the parking lot, and it just being a big thing. Like, you drive down to the city... 
uh, you know, from Sonoma, we'd have a pony keg in my back of my friend's uh, truck with a little camper shell. Fuck yeah! And we're pissing out the the side of the truck as oh, wow. we're driving down. So you would have Marin you would have to drive you would have to you would have to get an older brother deal. or yeah, you would have to drive down to Sonoma. My first concert Fuck was my mom's friend's daughter took me to see the tubes and Y and T at the Petaluma <laughs> Fairgrounds. <laughs> And y and so, T is basic. Yeah, Y and T. Wow. They and they were from the Bay name. Area. They had just gone from yesterday and today to Y and T, and it was Earthshaker. It wow. was that Earthshaker tour. And wow. Great they album. blew the tubes away. Wow. And I went to see Y and T because I was already a fan. And uh, She's got a man streak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but even Earthshaker, that record, right. you know, so, so sick. The Petaluma County Fairgrounds? Yes. Wow. Yeah, because Petaluma is basically the next, next door. town next yeah, door, right over the hill. Right, Karen Kogelfer's absolutely Karen Karen Kogelfer's from <laughs> yes, our Petaluma. old friend, our old pal. Uh, wow, amazing! I met her around that. Well, after high school, right after high school, we met. Oh, really? When we burst, both started birth. We both started doing comedy. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. We're going to get to that, but I'm going to I'm going to give you a little a little a little taste of this. This is when it all changed. This is when it all changed. This is when a very young Brendan Smith was like, what the fuck is this? I couldn't even believe how much better they were. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Run of the Hills, of course. Aunt Jean. By the end of 1981, lead singer Paul Deanna was sliding down a very dark rabbit hole due to drugs. With his performances kind of fucked up, Deanna was immediately dismissed following the Killer World Tour. Enter Samson frontman Bruce motherfucking Dickinson. And it's so amazing. Like, shit could have been over for them. Yep. And then they got nope. this guy. Nope. It doesn't yeah. happen no. for most bands, but it happened for Maiden. Because after a quick audition, Dickinson went on the road with Maiden for a small little tour in Italy. And then did a very legendary one-off show at the Rainbow in London. That's Pro Shot. It's on fucking YouTube. The band hit the studio, and in March of 1982, they released their third studio record, The Number of the Beast. And when, like, no disrespect to Dio or Halford (laughs) at all, but this guy blows everybody's balls off. Like, this guy wins. This guy wins forever. He's the best metal vocalist, in my I opinion, would say of all time. There's Freddie Mercury, and then there's Bruce Dickinson. Well, Freddie Mercury isn't a metal vocalist. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm yeah, telling you yeah. for, like, rock, rock vocalists. Rock. I'm with you. One and two. I gotta uh, get Getty in there, though. <laughs> my boy. My boy with the sweet... What would you even call Getty style voice? I would call it Getty style. <laughs> yeah. I would just call it Getty style. Number of the Beast gave uh, the band their first number one uh, record in, the, in London. Or, uh, no, London is not the UK, and uh, it was it was just massive. It's loaded with maiden classics like "Hallowed Be Thy Name" and "Run to the Hills." Number of the Beast, yada yada. The band hit the road for a giant tour, and that was called the Beast on the Road Tour. But you did not see that tour. Nope. Right. Neither did I, because they didn't come to Albuquerque on that tour. I think they did play the city, but I missed them. And uh, I like 
they were, uh, it was this weird stage being 16, you know, and it really depended on could I get somebody, could could it all line up? Could you get someone's older brother yeah, to drive, drive to the me? city? Can right. I get my mom to approve it? Can I also scrape together the 20, 30 bucks, whatever? By senior year, I was going to every show yes. because I saw the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes. And I Mike Demoned the fuck out of all my uh, fellow students. You, you you pulled a Mike Demone. I scalped. You were a little scalper. Yes. Okay, so you Because would- we didn't have um we didn't have a Ticketmaster in Sonoma at that time. So I would have my mom take me to Santa Rosa. I'd go to Ticketmaster or bass tickets at that time, I think. It was bass. Right. And I'd just go to a bass outlet. And I would buy uh, tickets for shows. I'd uh, save up my money. And then I'd go and I'd resell them for a lot more Fuck to kids. Yeah. And go for free. And then I would go to the show for free. And then I would also pay for the booze and gas for whoever was driving me. Because I would go, hey, dude, I got us tickets. Wow. I also got you know extra money and let's get a pony keg. Because wow. I scalped the shit out. I sold Alabama tickets I didn't go to. Alabama? The, the country who, band Alabama? Yeah. Who, in the, who in the class... <laughs> This is one of my biggest regrets. I had Who in the Class tickets. At and Candlestick. I, and I didn't fucking go. I sold oh, them instead. No. Wow. I didn't keep a set for myself because mm. I was like, the Clash aren't as cool as uh, Dead Kennedy's. Oh. And now it's oh, like. Oh, my God. And now it's like, uh, it's one of my biggest regrets. That was at Candlestick, yeah, probably. And I could have seen. You know, oh, I saw fuck. The Who later. Of course. But I missed The Clash. I just saw The Who and at the Hollywood Bowl. I kicked myself in the ass all the time going right. that, you know, because, well, I said earlier, I didn't love The Clash in high school. Right, but Just now you totally, you feel now you understand. That's the one power. of those ones that it, so. But I did get to go to Maiden. Wow, Van Halen, Rush, Judas Priest. Wow, uh, I think Dawkins. Oh no, Great White Open for Judas Priest that tour up in Sacto. We went to um, Sacto uh, Cal Expo. <laughs> I would see a lot of shows at Cal Expo, and then later. Uh, Oh, I saw Maiden at a Cal Expo. What's Cal uh, Expo? Cal Expo is the uh, state uh, state fair up in Sacramento. Fuck yeah, yeah. So right, there's so a they lot have of outdoor, like the rodeo arena or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because when I I've said this on this podcast many times, for me, Albuquerque, New Mexico, every single heavy metal show in the '80s happened at Tingley Coliseum, in the dead center of Albuquerque on the state fairgrounds. Uh-huh. Like I mean, literally was on it Route 60. Or? No, it was indoor. It was uh, it was okay. a rodeo arena. Right, okay, like a ten thousand seat rodeo. That's arena. what Cow Palace felt like. Cow Palace was this. I think that's what they used to. That's why it's called that. I think they used to have rodeos and well, kind of animal I believe shows. Dave or whatever. Anthony yeah. said when they built it, it was it was like you know not 4H, but it was like bring the fucking cows hey, in and buy basically yeah. Auction, Cow Palace. Cows. Yeah, auction the fucking cows off. It, it was historically bad sound too. Is that true? Oh fuck. Uh, uh, I have good memories of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know people, sound nerds, yeah, talk about it, but no, not no, when, when you're, you're seeing Van Halen '84. Yeah. Not when you're seeing Maiden. Nah, no, no, great. no way. And 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 the Bay Area fucking loves metal. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. What were some of your favorite shows? If you can just give me a, like a sprinkle in your mind, like what, these uh, were your very mind. important well, shows. Power Slave Tour. Power Maiden. Slave Tour for Maiden, which we'll talk uh, which about. Which I saw twice. I saw at the beginning of that tour and at the end of that tour, and I think I saw them at both places. I saw uh, that I just mentioned. I think I saw them Cow Palace and I think Cal Expo. If okay. I'm correct, it's all a blur. But yeah. I, I would just go. You know, right. I went to as many shows as I could right. back then. Once once I got the approval, and then once I started driving, it was all over. Wow! Like you know, 
we'd go to stack to shows or 16. Is that the license in California for me? Yeah. 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 Driving my mom's uh, Pontiac Sunbird. (laughs) Give me another big show that was like, oh, fuck, this is historic. But it doesn't have to be metal or. It doesn't uh, have to be anything. Could be Pat Benatar. I don't care. One of my. Go go. Oh, man, there's so many. So. Metallica, uh, uh, Dan the Green. uh, Early Metallica? Oh, yeah, with Cliff. Okay, yeah. Wow. And then. one of my all-time favorite shows is still Bad Brains at uh, God Rock. It wasn't the Rock on Broadway. It was across <laughs> the Stone. Fantastic. Uh, the Stone was like one shit. of our famous places in the city, and it was right on right on the main street there, right on Broadway. And down the corner is like Battery, where Metallica wrote that song Battery. It's about hanging out in that hood. And so that night we were pre-showing before. Uh, before Bad Brains and this band Leeway, it must have been 87, 88. Had you just moved into the city? No, I was still living in Sacto, but we drove down, me and my buddy, I worked at Tower Records. I was big, by that point, I had the sweet job in Sacto. When I first started comedy, I was working at a skateboard shop, a pizza place, and a record store. Fuck like, it. Wait, did you uh, work at Tower Records in yeah, Sacramento? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. What was the name of the skate shop? Sacramento Surf and Skate. We sold a lot of like bad boy club stickers and you know that 80s shit. And, and Oakley. Powell, Powell Peralta t-shirts. For, to the cool kids. The douchebags were buying all the Oakley shit and all the, you know, because we sold to both. We had the cool skate kids coming in and buying, you know, bubblegum Surfwax surf wax and then uh you know skating the curbs out in front of our store but then the douchebags would come in uh to buy these uh bad boy club shit for their volkswagens that they had surf racks on that lived two hours away from the ocean and right it's just poser town but uh and we, the sex we would wax sell them. t-shirts yeah we would sell them shit yeah yeah right and, and then the the sunglasses yes. which was just douchebaggery oakley blade i think sacramento invented douchebags <laughs> some of these clowns i remember back then Sacto. I don't so think I've ever I heard. To, I moved to Sacto in the mid '80s, at, right out of high school. Right. Well, I first moved to Phoenix because a friend of mine was what? going. A friend of mine was going to uh, air conditioning school out in Phoenix, as you do. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he was learning to fix air conditioners. Him okay. and his brother. And I went out and lived with them, and uh, we uh, lived in Phoenix. I lived in Phoenix six months, and I worked at a car dealership. And I was miserable. Wait, wait, wait! I was a lot boy. At a, I was a lot boy at a car dealership in Phoenix, Arizona. I what, just what's drove, a lot boy? I wrote. I drove IROX around. Like they'd go, "Hey, go get an IROC and bring it to the front." And I'd go grab an IROC. And, oh, that was your job. If yeah. someone was going on a test drive yeah. and they wanted to drive the IROC. Or if you had to uh, you know, clean it up and get it ready to sell it, uh, I would be the guy that would go find it from the other lot. And we had an annex and we had all this other <laughs> stuff. And what was, was the driving, name? What was, was the name of that? Vets around, and, and then I got restricted. I couldn't drive vets anymore because I got really squirrely in a, in a brand new vet. Because <laughs> oh, they didn't. It had like four miles on it, and I had done like a bunch of uh, you know Batman turns in the back, just pulling the emergency brake. And uh, yeah, bro, you cannot. <laughs> I mean, the, the the chances of you fucking up that vets are high. What was the name but of that when you're dealership? Seventeen and, or eighteen, you kind of don't give a shit, <laughs> right? Uh, Lou Grub Chevrolet. And Lou Grub. Hey, where's <laughs> Everybody going, Lou Grubb Chevrolet. <laughs> right in Phoenix. Wow. And I went to, uh, I got to see uh, Crew 
in, in Phoenix. In Phoenix, oh, Phoenix loudness. is a metal town. Loudness, Rat. I think Loudness opened for Rat. I remember being in a rented, a rented um, limo. It's my first time ever being in a limo, and we're doing CR off a uh, off a Rat uh, <laughs> CD case. <laughs> little crank, little crystal meth. Sure, <laughs> as you do. And I hear Rat start. <laughs> Oh, no, I hear loudness start. And I'm like, you guys, loudness is going. We got to go. Rock and roll crazy nights. But also, let me get this bump. Let me get this bump up in here before we go enjoy some loudness and rat. We're coming back to Maine. And this is Flight of Icarus, Aunt Jean. In December of 1982, drummer Clive Burr was fired from Maiden replaced by Nico McBrain who I know Brian loves as much as me. Yeah. One of the best dudes in rock and roll. And they got even better. And they got better. Soon afterwards the band flew to the Bahamas to record their next record. May 1983. They released their fourth studio album, Peace of Mind. Oh, massive, Brilliant. massive, massive. Brilliant. Really, it, it, it reached number three in the UK. The album includes The Trooper, which you heard at the top of the show, Flight of Icarus. And soon after, they just hit the road for a massive, massive tour. After that big tour, they released, and uh, by the way, that's what that, the first Maiden show I saw in Albuquerque was the Peace of Mind tour, with Saxon opening for the band. I still have my tour book. Then they released Power Slave in 1984. Power Slave, another massive record, includes the singles Two Minutes to Midnight, Aces High, and Rhyme of the Ancient Midnight. They toured after that. That was the big, monstrous World Slavery Tour, the band's largest to date. Consisted of 193 shows in 28 countries over 13 months, playing to an estimated 3 million and 500,000 people. This tour cemented Maiden as a monster touring rock band. Maiden history. A little Maiden history. <laughs> so, when do you move into San Francisco? When do you go, okay, it's time to... Uh, well, first I fuck up. For, <laughs> okay. First I go to San Fran- <laughs> First I go to L.A. Before, oh. I came to L.A., I, I've been here twice. To do the comedy. Yes. My first time did not turn out well. Okay. My first time I moved down to Long Beach in 1990 from Sacramento, and uh, or 1989, and then went back with my tail between my legs in 1990. I broke my back. Jumping off a lifeguard tower with some uh, jackass friends of mine down in Long Beach. Oh, and I, and, uh, wait, wait, wait. And then I you, walked back to my so apartment. so much to unpack. With, I walked back to my apartment with a broken uh, third vertebrae. No shit. Do you have hardware? A, what? Do you have hardware? No. Uh, I completely healed myself. I got into a, a tub of water because I was like, what would my mom do? And I'm You wasted. went to Dr. Brando, the doctor in my 14 hour mom. wasted. I'd been drinking for 14 hours right. and then also weed and, and some uh, little crystal meth. It's sure. kind, of, sure. kind of a running thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, man. That was before we knew how fucked up meth was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But you came down to Southern California yeah. to do comedy? Yeah. Yep. And Had then, you been uh, doing comedy in the Bay Area? I, no, just in SAC at that point. Okay. And I'd done maybe a couple of shows in SF, but why I didn't move to SF first, I don't know. I, I just thought I was ready, and I was like, 
look up, you know, look over your shoulder, Polly Shore. Here I come. You know, <laughs> here comes the NorCal, you know, the NorCal version of you. Oh, and I was more metal than God. him, and oh, you know, a thousand I, I, percent. I wasn't a, I wasn't gonna he was doing a character. Juice. Yeah, yeah, but I was. I had hair uh, down past my tits. Wow, um, was straight, like beautiful. Uh, Margaret Cho, when I first met her, uh, said that uh, Tom Rhodes, the comedian, he had long hair at the time. It was amazing. That, uh, he washed his hair with uh, a, a bar of soap, a bar of ivory, and a rock, and then my <laughs> and that and that angels washed my hair with Evian. That's uh, what Margaret Cho uh, yeah, said to you. Margaret said that about oh my, my hair. My God. hair was beautiful. You had you, you had beautiful <laughs> and then, hair and then at I the end of the eighties. Yeah, and then the mid early nineties, I started to lose it, and then I moved to L.A. and my girlfriend at the time was like, yeah, "You should shave that." But so ninety, wow. I broke my back, went back to Sonoma, and lived with my mom a third time. Wow. Okay. Because there was another time. Well, when I went to Phoenix, and then and then I went to SAC after phoenix went first back to sonoma then the then the uh, sack started comedy 87 what's the comedy scene in sack it was small <laughs> but but there's still clubs there you okay. know um and then uh but that's where i got my you know figured it out and figured it, that this was something i wanted to do and then went to la with these big ambitions and then went back and then lived with my mom and then moved to san francisco and that's where i met Patton and my roommate. You and, fell in my, with the and, comedy and my, crowd yeah, in my, San Francisco, yeah. which for people who don't know, in the late 80s, early 90s, had huge, some yeah. heavy fucking people. Well, there Janine was all these guys before us, but then there was us. Yeah. So right. Janine wasn't officially in San Francisco, but we so Was Greg Barron there? Yeah. So it was me, Greg, uh, Margaret Cho, uh, Blaine Kapatch, Patton Oswalt. Uh, a bunch of other comics. That's, a, that's mine, a very heavy group of people. It wasn't Bobcat up there, though. Yeah, he was, but he was right before us. Right, and then so, but, so the guys before us, um, there was a guy Warren Thomas who passed away, but Warren Thomas was a big deal. Uh, Greg Proops, right? Uh, Jeff Bolt, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Um, trying to think of some of the female comics. Sue. Oh God, what was her name? Oh fuck! I can't pull her name out of my ass. But there was a but there was just great, 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 great. And, and were you guys sort of doing a version of alt comedy? Like not we were just doing kind of the ourselves. joke set of joke. We like, were no, we were doing kind of brick wall comedy. It wasn't really alternative yet. But um, till I saw Janine, like Janine was already doing her thing, and then Cross was already David Cross, David Cross. came to town, and he and I met. In SF, and then so when I moved to LA, uh, one of my first jobs was working for him. Right after I, w I worked for MTV first, and then then and we Mr. started show. Mr. Show, yeah. right? Which is, I mean, for you that getting on Mr. Show was it's still the biggest deal for me. Yeah, it's still the biggest deal for you because through then uh, through that, I mean, I got every other sitcom that or, you know sitcom writers are like watching mr show every so they were they put me on all these shows because people saw us on for them. people who don't know mr show was a, a groundbreaking comedy show odin kirk brian pesain david cross so paul many f. Tompkins, paul f. Jay johnston sarah silverman was all over it heavy and, people yeah, yeah. doing this groundbreaking comedy show uh -huh. that all the top comedy people watched yep Meanwhile, and it was already like 
and it was the cool ticket in LA. Like Seth, yeah. Gre- Seth Green was in our audiences, Alyssa Milano, like all these, you know, young, young kids, young kids yeah. actors and comedians that were. This was the thing to go see. So they were all at our shows. It was I remember crazy. the 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 cover of the LA Weekly. It was Bob and Dave in a, sort of a running position. Yes, and it was it basically yeah, the article yeah, yeah. was this is the coolest fucking thing that's ever been created. <laughs> yeah. and for people who don't know, one of the great skits that Brian ever did was the, the burned the burned boy. What was the title of that skit? Titanica. Yeah, Titanica. Clearly. Where the band Titanica yeah. comes to. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Just an incredible skit. Look it up on YouTube. Oh, we're hearing Wasted Years right now. This is returning from a massive world tour. We've I've skipped over so much fucking maiden shit, but I'm just going to say... In 1986, Maiden adopted a different style for their record somewhere in time. For the first time in the band's history, we heard synthesized bass and guitars. Like you're kind of hearing on this song. It's still so good, though. It's so fucking amazing. Wasted years. This became a staple of their live shows. The experimentation continued on their next record, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, which was released in April of 1988. A concept record, Seventh Son, was based on the 1987 novel Seventh Son by Orson Scott Card. That was a fantasy novel about a young man with mystical abilities. It would also be the band's first record to include keyboards. Just another giant tour ensued. Did you like Seventh Son of a Seventh Son? Because they went that's a little crazy kind of, with that's kind of where I was tapping out, right? Um, and, but, but also because metal was getting so much heavier, and I was getting more into thrash. And well, I was already into thrash, and then so it kind of made me leave bands like Priest and Maiden. But I mean, yes. I still always loved Maiden, but I just didn't listen to those records. The one after it, not so much either. Right? But it's get the, now these though. Big, I love Seven Sun, right. but but. At the time, I was like, "What are you guys doing?" Well, yeah. we, you and I, you and I are, are similar in that we want the new, we want the edge. And by this point in 1988, Maiden is getting a little bloated, a little big. The synthesizer—it's yeah. weird. And then we're and looking for there's all these other shit. So there's thrash metal, but then there's also like Pixies. Uh, Faith No More is starting, and and uh, you know, um, right. Red Hot Chili Peppers weren't dumb yet. Right. Uh, they and for me, it was replacements in Husker Du. Yeah, I like all that Sonic stuff too. Yeah. And and yeah, that liked, was like that's where yeah, I gravitated to. I liked girls that looked like Kim Deal, and so I started. Oh, yes, I, yes, I, yeah, I yeah. stood on Kim Deal's side of the stage for that exact reason. Yeah. Oh, so I that think was the a fantasy of like dating a bass player girl, like for me in the late, it was started in the late eighties, and that's like when my brain was opening up a little more too. Like once I started working at Tower. And met these, met like kids that were a lot cooler than me, and their minds were a lot more open than I was. Yeah. I was just the metalhead kid, and so then you know, that's when I met the Rasta kid, and that's you know, and the kid that worked in classical, and the girls that were into Brian Ferry, and yep. you know, and and uh, my my mind opened up a little bit in the late eighties. I just spilled. Um, that's all right. I just spilled a bookers. I just spilled two hundred dollars worth of whiskey. <laughs> that Richard is kindly. Well, it's, that's about seventeen dollars worth of whiskey. I. I worked at Tower Westwood oh, shit. when I first moved to Los Angeles. I don't think and I knew that we both uh, did the yellow and red. And I, in October of 1990, because I moved out to L.A. right after college, I got a job at Tower 
Westwood. I walked into tower to buy the new Soul Asylum record. I had a Soul Asylum t-shirt on and the girl behind the counter was a fan and I literally said, hey, are you guys taking applications? And she like hooked me up on the spot and like the next day I'm working at Tower Westwood. That's awesome. Because that was a cool you, store. I remember that store. It was a great store. Yeah. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar used to come in there all the time because they had a great jazz section. I will also say because I worked at Tower Westwood, they would send some of us to Tower Sunset all the time, mm-hmm. and so I've had I've had Didn't the ex- work at that shop. I think Dave Grohl worked at that I, shop. I don't. I don't yeah, I feel like did he, he did. really? Yeah, that shop was killer too. Like when I oh, Tower a, Sunset. Yeah, when I made L.A. trips and I went there, that yeah. was pretty. That was pretty intense. I stole the Led Zeppelin box set from Tower Sunset when While that working? came out. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh good. Well, yeah, yeah. cuz the move was no, don't steal records <laughs> from a record store unless you work there. Well, here 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 was the Tower move at Westwood and Sunset. If you remember in the at the at the in 1990 when CDs came out in the big giant cardboard case, oh, I remember it well. We Long we were boxes. we were supposed to say to people, "Would you like to Recycle this box, yeah. And all the time they would say yes. So you'd cut it open and just hand them the CD. So what we would do on our time off is that we just knocked over another beer. Jesus, I'm a mess. Uh, We we would just walk around the store, take what you like, go back behind the counter, cut the box open, and put the CD in a little bag. And at the end of the night, take that bag and you're gone because the magnetic strip. For the security was on the box, was on the box yeah. not on the CD. Yep. And that's how I got the Led Zeppelin box set that came out at the end of 1990. And the security guy said to me, if you're taking one, take one for me. <laughs> nice. We <laughs> yeah, the security never gave us any shit. Everybody was doing it. Right. And people would just take, um, we would put things in garbage. And, and then just take out the garbage and then go out to the garbage with your car at the end of the night okay. and take the, your shit out of the garbage. The dudes at Tower Westwood, home. the guys in receiving, because the receiving in Tower Westwood was on the second floor, they would throw boxes of CDs into the dumpster. Yeah, that's exactly what we and did. And then they, at the end of the night, they would come back and they would take those boxes. It's yeah. funny how all criminals think the same, <laughs> despite the region. Well, and I, so there's a Tower documentary and I... Colin Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, and part of the downfall of Tower is definitely theft. Oh, oh yeah. Is, well, our manager employee our, theft, and, our, and it was it was everywhere. Our manager, but I don't think I knew anybody that wasn't stealing from but, the store. But you which weren't is making ironic, enough money, which is ironic because the downfall of the record industry was theft. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, but here's the thing: that our manager at Tower Westwood was super, a, a super amazing lady, and she basically said, "Don't steal me blind." Right. Like she <laughs> just, just say, hey, just don't, you're, I know blind. you're going to take, don't, don't steal me blind. It's like a yeah. bar. Right. And then yeah. the, I will say this, you will love this little detail. Tower Sunset, there used to be a UCD store right next to the whiskey on Sunset. Okay. In 90, 91, maybe it lasted to 92. And all of their CDs came from Tower employees <laughs> who you know, would show up with all the new stuff. Yeah. And, you know, those were five, six, seven bucks a pop if you had yeah. new stuff. And so that's how they supplemented their income by selling those CDs to use CD stores. 
it's, it, I feel shitty about it, but but also you got to do it. It's how my CD collection started. I had, a, <laughs> I had, I think I had twenty CDs before I bought a CD player, right. and it was when I was st- first started working at Tower, and I, I, you know, ripped off all these long boxes and bought records that I was like, well, I got to have twenty one twelve. I got to have this. I got to have this. You know, and so my, I, I, my, my first CDs were like uh, pretty much made in Rush. Metallica, all that, all my favorite shit. Absolutely, and then and then, uh, and then whatever records came out after that, I just started t- taking them. My, mor- <laughs> my 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 morality around taking the CDs was: I will pay for what I want to support, and I will steal. Oh, I did both. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't steal everything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I did the same thing. I'll steal Empire by Queensrÿche because I don't right. know how I feel about Queensrÿche right now. Oh. We could just do a podcast where Brian and I just listen to Maiden and we cry. You see us on camera, just like. Oh, nice. You're just hearing Brazilians. This is Fear of the Dark. This is the sound of 250,000 Brazilians yeah. singing along. Tired they Maiden. sing the guitar parts. Yeah. Singing the guitar parts. <laughs> People need to understand how big Iron Maiden is in South America, especially in Central America. Our Latino brothers, our Brazilian brothers, our Argentinian and Chilean brothers, absolutely fucking love Maiden. But they're big around the world. I mean, they're yes, they're big in India and they're big in fucking and Tokyo Asia. And, and Asia and, and yeah, yeah, Sweden yeah. and, and everywhere. Yeah, but nowhere bigger the South than America. Central and yeah, South yeah, America, yeah, as they say. Sure. When you go south of the border, it gets a little hotter. Sometimes feel a little strange. A little anxious when it's dark. Fear of the dark. Fear of the dark. Didn't love this song when it came out. Now I love no, it. No, now it's like I get it's goosebumps so when I hear it. Like when so the, the first version of it was kind of They lame. haven't written a shitty song, really, I don't think. Yeah. They don't have a turbo lover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're off the rails. Iron Maiden regrouped in 1990 to work on a new studio record. During pre-production, Adrian Smith left the band due to differences with Steve Harris. And he was replaced by Yannick Harris, who we talked about before. It was on the Bruce Dickinson's right third wheel. <laughs> no prayer for the dying was released in 1990, and it was soon followed by 1992's Fear the Dark. In 1993, Bruce Dickinson left the band to pursue a solo career, and he was replaced for the remainder of the 1990s by vocalist Blaze Bailey. Did you go to any Blaze Bailey shows? No. No. Yeah, neither did I. It was weird. There was a cover band. It, it was They were kind of a maiden cover band, in a way. Even though the band itself was amazing. I may have, but... I didn't. I think I blocked it out. They, I remember them playing at the Palace on Vine. And I was like, should I go? But I don't want to go see listen to, to Blaze Bailey. Okay. Let me just wrap up maiden shit. I've, I've skipped so much fucking maiden talk. It doesn't matter. It doesn't but I would just I want to say this. Blaze Bailey was let go in January of 1990. And the band immediately got on the phone and begged Bruce Dickinson to come back to the band. He agreed. And so did Adrian Smith. With Gare's remaining Maiden 
solidified the three guitar lineup and they embarked on a hugely successful reunion tour. That tour consisted of over 100 dates and culminated in this show. January 2001 at the Rock and Rio Festival where they played That's to an audience. That's I did see. Yeah, I saw that at Universal Amphitheater. Yeah. And they were back. And the rest is made in history because they have not split up. They're still And then I think I've seen every tour strong. since then. I have not missed any yeah. maiden tour since yeah. Bruce came back to the band. Every time, and, and again, in starting at this point that's where me and my friends decided we're gonna like vacation together we're gonna pick a different city every time they tour and i will say this to people listening at home it is one of the funnest concerts you could possibly go to because it's life affirming the band has a goddamn good time playing which is why i love them Absolutely. so much i'm wearing an iron maiden shirt from this tour just for brian well dude you and i have been partying for three hours <laughs> <laughs> holy shit we've been partying for three hours food. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I and I have to um, I get drive ready for my day tomorrow. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, but uh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart Thanks, so buddy. much for coming in. I hope you had a good time. I did. I've been wanting to do this since you started. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm just, a fan of yours too, so well, uh, I was happy to be here. Major fan of yours, and I'm I'm just thrilled. And it's super fun. And again, Richard, thank Thanks, you man. for driving in from the hills of Woodland to be here and produce this. Rock Tales with Ahmed Zappa and Brendan Smith and Richard Sheltinga. Sirius uh, Channel 106. It's out there. Do you know what channel it's on? Do, no. 106. What channel are you on? Volume. Is it called? Vo- is it yeah, the Boneyard? Volume. Uh, yes. Boneyard. It's not the Boneyard. Is it? It's is not, it? Yeah, rock not radio either. <laughs> no. Deep tracks. It's, is it deep tracks? Are no, we on Rush deep tracks? Rush took over deep tracks for a couple of weeks and now they're gone. <laughs> oh, they. Oh, really? I, I wish Rush would just have a, a serious channel. They oh, should all the time. And by the way, R.I.P. Neil Peart for yes. Brian and I, a big one. So, Richard, do you have something fun to play us out with? Should we come back and? talk about rush at some point i would absolutely no, yeah. come by yeah. well uh, I'll, I'll save that for brian for another time we'll oh, come back and God. we'll talk about I'd rush do that do you have something fun to play us out with there we go oh. I left alone. this is the my mind was blank the blood that throw that flows through my veins my tattoo He's got a 666 on his fucking middle finger. Kat Von D played this song while she gave me this tattoo. Okay. Time out. Time out. We've been back a little bit. He just said said the words Kat Von D. My only tattoo is a Kat Von D tattoo because we were hammered at the Van Halen reunion. And uh, you don't know this story? <laughs> no. That's okay. No. We're ended on this story. All right. We'll end it on this story. So, Holy shit. So Scott calls me. Scott Ian calls me and goes, uh, Kirk Hammett got his hookup for uh, the Van Halen show. Do you want to go in the Metallica van? We're going to go with Metallica guys. Oh, and something just fell on my foot. No, I know. I'm name dropping. <laughs> I'm doing some serious name dropping. But so it's all part of the story. It all ties in. So I go with my tattooed heavy metal friends, uh, my buddy who's up for a Grammy tonight, uh, Mark Asagueda from Death Angel, mm-hmm. joins us. Mm-hmm. And so me and Mark and Scott and Kirk and a couple other friends, we cruise in. We've got Metallica security with us, takes us right to the, uh, the sound, uh, you know, right where the sound is at the forum. And there's only 200 people in the forum. It's a friend show. 
And so Van Halen has just invited friends and family, and we're part of that. And we just watched the entire set from the middle of the room. And I'm sitting there with Kirk, with Mark, who, you know, Death Angels is also one of my favorite bands. And I'm just nerding out. Show ends. They go, you want to go back and meet Dave? And I'm like, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So we go back. uh, We meet Dave. Dave's like, hey, man. He sees me and he goes, I know you. And I'm like, no fucking way to you. And he's like, Sarah Silverman program. She's a funny bitch. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Well, well. (laughs) But cool. But yeah. Yeah. So then then, uh, he goes, hold on. Uh, Wolfgang's here. We got to wait for Wolfie to leave. Because Wolfie's playing bass. Wolfie has to leave the building. And then Before the coke can come out? No, not coke. <laughs> but as soon as Wolfie leaves, then the jack came out. So, like, Dave looked at the security guards, like, is Wolfie gone? He's like, yes. Then a couple bottles of jack came out. Then the weed came out. <laughs> <laughs> so now I get high and drink Jack Daniels with these heroes of mine. And then we leave and we're wasted. And then, so then we go to the uh, uh, rainbow and we're at the rainbow and we close the rainbow. And now it's three in the morning, and Kirk goes, We should all get 666 tattoos. And I'm like, Yeah! Yes, we should. <laughs> he got like a, uh, he, he doesn't have a tramp stamp. His is on his ass, I think. The same tattoo that you have yeah, on your yeah, middle finger. Yeah, and it's the Omen, oh, Omen my style 666. God. And then, and Scott got his on his finger just like me. Scott's wife got hers behind the ear. Mark Asaguere, I think, got a tramp stamp. <laughs> and uh, and we all got them, and we well we call Cat Von D at three thirty. They're like, where a- can we get tattoos a- at three thirty in the morning? A- yeah, a- yes, yes. And so she's at her studio, a little hammered. And so we show up at the studio On now, fountain, fountain in the brand. Yeah, now it's three thirty four in the morning. We get there, and we all got tattoos. And she goes. Uh, do you want to hear the song? And she put six six. Uh, she put number of the beast on for my uh, as I got my tattoo. Jesus fucking Christ! And I don't really need another tattoo with that one. <laughs> you know, That's one of the best stories I've ever <laughs> heard you. in my life. I don't think there's another way to end the Brando cast. Well, the best is so I get home. Oh, yeah. And my wife is like, "Why the fuck are you home at six in the morning?" <laughs> <laughs> What happened? I'm not home at six in the morning. Uh, no. I'm at home at six six, 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 six in the morning. morning. I wish. No, but this is what happened. She goes, I go, honey, I fucked up. And she goes, what did you do? You know, she's like, you know, six in the morning, you're coming home from a metal show. What, you know, she thought I fucked strippers or whatever. Right. And she's awake for a or second. Or made out with David Lee Roth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, what did you do? And I go, I, I did something dumb. She goes, what did you do? And I, I just held up my finger and she goes you idiot and then she went to sleep (laughs) and that's a true story that's exact for her exact words 